Hi, this is Chooch. And this is Viv. From the Beyond the Wall podcast. And you're listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast. A writing variety show featuring a little of everything. From everyone. Everywhere. Hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs, welcome to episode 34 of The Melting Podcast. I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappin. I'm your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark. I'm Maggie. I'm Emily. And these are our junior chefs. <laughs> and that was Lachlan. <laughs> that was the juniorist junior chef. <laughs> yeah, we've got the whole crew here today except for Theo. Well, he's here. He's Lachlan's over here, sweetie. <laughs> Theo's here. He's just incapacitated at the moment. Oh, yeah. He had too much brazing. Fatherhood is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did it! So since we can't escape the crew of kids today, we decided to include them. Yeah, so these are Aaron and Theo's munchkins. And Meg is singing, which is awesome. Can you say hi again? Yeah. <laughs> she cannot. So this is going to be a very interesting show, just consider how... <laughs> considering, <laughs> considering how many people we have in front of the microphone. Okay. But we're going to get started with a main ingredient story. Can I have markers? Stop <laughs> <laughs> leaving that in. Can I have markers? Those are my markers. Leave them alone. <laughs> yes, I have my own markers. <laughs> She colors for therapy, but this therapy. Is, this is it just makes me happy. <laughs> self care, I, be, I believe, is the term these days. She colors for self care. <laughs> anyway, this is a main ingredient story based on well, Martin Spurnell. He pulled a Hugh O'Donnell, did a main ingredient story based on a prompt. And that was a Lachlan Belch. Alright. My son belches like man. That's a satisfying stomach here in the disaster kitchen. But so this uh, story is based on prop number six. Why is everyone afraid of the mailman? Bon appetit. Bon appetit. Bon appetit. Yeah, that's my girl. Writer of the Postal Apocalypse by Martin Spurnow. When Mary met the mailman for the first time, she forgot to run and hide. The massive creature peacefully drinking from Fashion Fountain consumed all her attention. Wow! She squealed. <laughs> Can actual living animals even be this big? It looked a lot like the plastic holy hooves one could occasionally find in the mall's rubble near Pony Ranch. <gasps> this must be a real horse, she gasped. It's a postal horse, said a raspy voice behind her. Mary spun around, her heart pounding to face the speaker. How could she have let the sight of this magnificent creature so totally absorb her? Kids had died for less in the mall. Aren't you going to run? asked the elderly woman Mary found standing behind her. 
There were only very few of Fashion Fountain's cracked tiles between them. Confused, Mary looked back to the horse. What? She began. This wasn't right. Something about the old woman told her she should be afraid. Very afraid. But she couldn't place it. Oh, she said as she took in the lady's uniform. You're a male man. Yes, said the lady. And we are in the mall. You are a brave girl, aren't you? Mary swallowed hard as the situation caught up with her. You have the uniform, but... She gesticulated at the horse. I mean, shouldn't you have weapons? She'd never been good at history, but that much she remembered. Mailmen came to the mall and killed all the merchants. At least that was what the older kids told her. If you see a mailman, run. If he has a horse, best just hide. But this old lady didn't fit the description at all. Something made Mary braver than she ought to be. There are no more merchants for you to hunt and kill. Your pike will have to stay free of severed heads. She gave the old woman a curious glance. She wasn't sure what a pike actually was, but thought she'd recognize such a weapon if the woman or the horse had any. You don't look dangerous to me, Mary ventured. Maybe I'm not. I'm a mailman. You can see that from the uniform. The old woman pointed to the horse. And I have a horse, so that makes me a postal rider who survived the apocalypse. Like you kids here in the mall seem to have. Everybody is afraid of the mailman, Mary sighed, And it was true for anyone she knew. Why is that? The old woman smiled. Have you never wondered about those old stories? The mailmen delivered the collapse of... She trailed off. She'd never been good with history words, but this one she really ought to remember. Converse, she mumbled. She'd have to ask Peter if he'd let her work with fluffy Mr. Bear a bit. No one could tell history like Mr. Bear. The collapse of... Commerce, the old woman corrected. But that's not the truth. Postal services actually worked for commerce. She gave the broken windows and slumped ceilings around them a wave. It's just the merchants of the mall who didn't appreciate us delivering things directly to people's homes. You raided people's homes, too? Mary shuddered at the thought. No one had ever told her that dark part of history. We never raided anybody, the old mailman said. But you killed off the merchants! Mary didn't know much history, but someone had to defend it. You turned this place into a ghost ghetto! Heads on pikes, yeah, I know. The mailman shook her gray head. And now you kids live here. What would you do if the merchants still owned them all? What would you eat? You look too young to even know what money is. Was. Do you think the merchants would just give you stuff? About that money thing, 
Mary had no idea. There was no arguing with that. So she didn't. She couldn't even remember the war the other kids kept on about. No one knew if it had been over when she was born. All she knew was living in the mall, where you found stuff or dug for it if you wanted it that badly. She did know life in the mall was good. You just banged on a village vendor's if you wanted to drink or eat. And she knew it just wasn't polite to argue with strangers. So Mary didn't. She'd never met a stranger, but she knew manners. What brings you here? The mailman blinked at that. I'm doing my job. We deliver things that people have addressed to other people. She rummaged in a bag slung over the horse. Would you happen to know... She squinted at the flat white object she retrieved. A Peter Mayfield? No, Mary lied, fascinated by the object. Why would anyone send anything to Peter? What could it be? Who's it from? she asked. I'm not allowed to tell. Only the person it is addressed to may know. There was something else in that smile. Peter's and Mr. Bear's voices were whispering warnings run, in okay, her head. Mary, just run. Stay run. away from the mailman. Run, Mary. Run. She'd run, talked run, far run, too go. much already. Get away. She needed run. a distraction for her to escape. Her gaze fell on the horse. What's his name? He? The old woman followed her gaze to the horse. Oh, this is Trudy. Trudy, say hi to young Miss. But Mary had already ducked into a dark side alley and was running as hard as she could. She had to tell her brother that a mailman was looking for him. Peter would know what to do. He was almost twice her age. And he had one of the last talking Mr. Bears, one that had even talked when he found it. Peter would know. He wouldn't call a horse Trudy. Who called anything Trudy, anyway? A horse needed a legendary Holy Hooves name, like Twinkle Trick or Black Bouncer or any of the other Pony Ranch deities. That mailman lady, she couldn't be all that sharp, Mary thought. The moment she realized that, she stopped running. The mailman had seemed very old, soft. Maybe all the legends of the riders of the postal apocalypse were just bedtime stories. Mr. Bears were known to be good at those, too. When Mary finally got home to Cuddle Cave, Peter was busy setting up traps for crab cams. He was always going on about the various bitty bots that infested the rubble and how you had to keep on top of them or they'd kill you. Finally, over Cricket Crunch dinner, it burst out of her. She just had to tell him about the real, breathing horse. I wish I'd at least touched it. Touched what? Peter wasn't paying her full attention. He was watching out for secu sects and crab cams, as usual. You never see where those bitty bots crawl in. And before you know it, they'll swarm all over you in your sleep. Not a problem if you're a big guy like me and can hold still all night. Peter loved scaring her with these stories. But the moment you remember you're Mary Mayfield and so much as Twitch... He poked her side for emphasis. You'll be dead, cut into shreds by their little lasers. The horse! Mary flailed her arms, not taking Peter's bait. It was, like, huge! 
Not scary or anything. Not like in the stories. Why is everyone afraid of the mailman anyway? The mailman hand out coupons of mass deduction. Peter recited, his brow furrowing. Where have you seen a horse? It's called Trudy, if you can believe that. Who calls a postal horse Trudy? Mary, listen carefully. Peter was all focused now. Was there a mailman in the mall? Did you see a postal rider? She's not really a man, you know. Rather old, too. Mary pushed some of her cricket crunch around. Asked if I know Peter Mayfield. What? Peter was on his feet, almost shouting. And you said? No worries. Mary shrank back from her brother's outburst. I did what Mr. Bear told us to and said, Peter Mayfield? No, sorry, doesn't ring a bell. She just accepted that. She'll never find us here. Can't be all that sharp, you know. Calls a horse Trudy. Pack your stuff. Peter was already cramming belongings into his Rupert rucksack. Hurry, don't leave anything you'll miss. We aren't coming back. They rushed out the back door of Cuddle Cave just moments later, the only real home Mary had ever known. In the dark of the back alley, she couldn't see a thing. What you don't see can't concern you. She recited Mr. Bear's words of wisdom to comfort herself. Crap, Peter said. Mary almost bumped into him from behind. I can't leave him. He brushed past her, back toward Cuddle Cave. You wait here, Mary. Alone in the dark, Mary heard faint scuttling and shuffling around her, like a thousand little feet. A cold shiver crawled up her spine. She took a deep breath to steady herself. Don't move abruptly. Never lift your foot too high. Never know what'll trigger the bitty bots. But what was that? Clop, clop. 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 Faint, but coming closer. Here, you carry him. Peter startled her. I have to watch where we're going, and Mr. Bear just gets in the way. The large and very fluffy form of Mr. Bear filled her arms. But, she began. Peter was moving again, so she did her best to follow. Who was she to refuse the honor of carrying Mr. Bear? Make sure he doesn't talk. Peter hissed over his shoulder. Clop, clop. Did you hear that? Peter turned to face in the direction they had come from. What impartial paradise was that? Mary had some idea what it could be, but didn't dare spook herself by saying it out loud. She clung onto Mr. Bear for courage. Clop, clop. Peter spun around. Holy hooves. Run, Mary. Run for your life. No, Peter, don't! She clung on to Mr. Bear as firm as she could, willing herself not to move, willing Peter to realize the danger his abrupt movement put him in, the peril he had always lectured her on. Peter, stop moving! Peter listened to her in the end, and froze. It was too late. Her brother's dark form went down in a blizzard of bright laser beams, Secusects swarming his twitching body in instants. Mary was glad she had Mr. Bear's fluffiness to bury her face. If she moved now, she was sure the sects would kill her too. Now it's just two of us, Mr. Bear, <laughs> she sniffed. Clop. Mary Mayfield?
Turning slowly toward the voice, Mary ventured a glimpse past fluffy fur. The light of a flickering torch stung her eyes. There was the old mailman woman, riding high on the postal horse. Hello, Trudy. She felt more inclined to be polite to a sister of her holy hooves than to the uniform. Remembering her good manners, though, she pointed to where Peter lay. That's the Peter Mayfield you were looking for. He ran when he heard you. You're too late. She gave Mr. Bear a squeeze. Now go away. You are Mary Mayfield, sister to the late Peter Mayfield? The old woman sounded very formal. I have a delivery to your name. Me? But you weren't looking for... She gestured to where she knew the secusects were slowly dissecting her brother. Only there were no more of them there. Just a few bloody rags. Where did they go? The mailman swung her old legs off the horse. The label reads, Mary Mayfield now. You are the next in line age-wise, yes? That's how these things work, you see. She took a step toward Mary, holding out the flat white object. What are you talking about? Mary was surprised at the firmness of her own voice. She looked at the mailman and the white object. What could anyone send that struck such fear in people? Had Peter known? These things? Did your brother ever tell you what it is that we mailmen actually deliver? It wasn't so much a question. The old woman crouched before Mary to be on the same level. This? She held up the white object is a parental note of homecoming. Mary blinked. Parents? Like mom and dad and so? She knew the words, sure, they were in all the stories, but no one had ever been able to explain their true meaning to her. Yes, your mom, Sarah Mayfield. The mailman tapped the object in her hand. She was a Union soldier. She fought in the war. The one you call Postal Apocalypse, or the Collapse of Commerce. Mr. Bear chose this moment to speak. Mommy come home? Yes, that's right, Fluffyhead. Mary's mommy is coming home. The old woman considered that white thing as if it had some major significance in the matter. Um, I don't get it, Mary said. Shouldn't that be something Peter and I would be happy about? She turned to face the spot her brother had died just moments earlier. He would have known. Why is everyone afraid of the mailman? He must have known. Well, now that you are the one on the label, the mailman said, you ought to know. But I'm not sure I want to tell you. Tell her. Mr. Bear said, in an oddly unbear-like voice. She'll find out soon enough. Yeah, right you are. Okay. Mary, listen. Those we bring home. She held up the white object. They no longer have a body like you and I do. But they still want to live, and they've been promised to be returned to their relatives. That's you. The woman fell silent. Tell her, mailman. Get it over with. 
Mr. Bear said. Mary gave him a look. He really didn't sound all that comforting anymore. The mailman took a deep breath. You, as Sarah Mayfield's eldest surviving next of kin, are legally bound to host her personality as best you are able. You may protest, but you do not have a choice in this matter, seeing as you are not yet of legal age yourself. Bummer, huh? said Mr. Bear in Mary's arms. Host? Mary knew that word from a pony ranch story. Like a guest at a party I throw? Mary remembered how Mr. Bear used to tease her about mixing up throw a party and throw out, or throwing up. She was ready to throw up from confusion now. I'd love a party for my mom, but I don't have a home to throw it in. Tell her, mailman, the rub, the hard truth. Mr. Bear was really scaring Mary now, his voice deep and commanding. No sense in avoiding it. You're not very reassuring for a fluffy cuddle toy, you know that? The old woman shook her head. Anyway, here's how this works. You, Mary Mayfield, will host the personality of your mother, Sarah Mayfield, in your head. The homecomers are supposed to share. You'd think they'd respect their own children, but often they don't. Your hippocampus just isn't a pony ranch, Mr. Bear said. Mary paid him no more attention. Somehow, all the secusects had disappeared. What if I just run? That's where I come in, said Mr. Bear and hugged Mary. He squeezed so hard she could no longer move. The mailman slid open the white envelope and took out a small black disc. Mary thought the smile on the old lady's face seemed rather sad. As soon as the black disc touched her temple, all thoughts of running were forgotten. Martin made up stories long before his mother plucked him out of the tree and taught him how to read and write. Today, he is rather thankful that she did, since words are the one way in which he can paint pictures without being able to see them. Martin does not have a seeing-eye dog, as it is impossible to train a coyote for that role. Besides, a dog would mean he'd have to go outside more than he cares to. Martin's stories have been published in three anthologies and on several podcasts. He hopes to publish many more before his day job totally sucks his brain dry. Oh, Martin. We do want to give some special thanks to our new voice actress, Erin's mom. That's Tammy Pruitt, who did the voice of the mailman, so thank you. And also special thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for the background music. Did you like that story? Yeah. You think it's a good story? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not creepy at all or anything? Yeah, No. For the record, she shook her head. Yeah, she shook her head. But so yeah, if you if that story upset you, that's you know, the five and, the five and three year old weren't creeped out. So promo, a promo. Well, that's a good idea. I think we should do a promo. Should we do a promo? Mm. Say oh. yeah. No.
No. Well, we're doing one anyway. <laughs> we gotta do a promo. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, we do. Promo? That's great. Let's do a promo. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a girl who lived in a little village far away. I've got this friend, Joelle, right? Sam, I know how to get there. It just takes the right story, that's all. Once upon a time, I'm looking for my friend. Getting to Elfland isn't the same as getting into Elfland. You must tell me a story. One which I have never heard before. Elfland. Fairy. Avalon. Tirnanog. When you read enough fairy tales, you learn how things work. When you are ready. Six stories told at night. Part audio drama, part storytelling, all Canadian fairy tales. Find out more at ktbrisky.com. That's K-T-B-R-Y-S-K-I dot com. Yeah, they're not my kids at all. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're not friends or anything. Uh -uh. You know, with all this giggling that they're doing, you'd think they'd already listened to our mystery meal. Uh-oh, the mystery meal. The mystery meals are back, people. We finally got one recorded. Yay! Mystery meal! Mystery meal! Woohoo! <laughs> all of it. Oh, we don't have all three of us. Yeah, but we've owed them mystery meals for a couple of months now. <laughs> they need to have it. So they get to have just us. Yeah. Oh, darn. Yeah, but like I said, it's been like two months. Well, and we are technically the main co-hosts. Yeah. So... Yeah. We're the most important, right? Well, duh. High five, bro. But like I said, it's been like two months since I've read it, at least. So it's going to be a very... A surprise to you, too. Yeah, it's going to be very fresh to me at this point. So here we are with a mystery meal. This is... The, the Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. By Robert Louis Stevenson. This is The Confession. What am I confessing? Um, that you are Mr. Hyde, but read that and you'll 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 see. Gotcha. Spoiler alert. It's a mystery. Just read the damn story. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Who format's weird. I shall do my best. Okay. <laughs> Stop drinking. Mm -mm. I can't drink while I read. Quit. I giggled long before I put this theory to the test of practice. <laughs> wow. Don't stare at me. It freaks me out. Sorry. I knew well that I refreshed death. <laughs> zombie? What? <laughs> refreshed death? Is that a zombie? <laughs> okay, I refreshed death. For any train that so potently controlled and shook the very fortress of identity might, by the least scruple of an overdose, or at least, or at the least, inopportunity in the moment of exhibition, utterly blot out that immaterial tabernacle which I looked to it to change. Wow. Wordy. Stevenson. Stevenson. Dude. Props. But the temptation of a toaster, so singular and profound at last, <laughs> overcame the suggestions of alarm. I had long since... Oh my god, I read ahead. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no. I had long since prepared my prejudice. Prune juice. 
Your writing sucks. Yep. These are handwritten. The 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 Mad Libs words are handwritten in here. AF Grappen's writing is stupid. For the record, it is official now. They know. Thanks. They hand, know. My handwriting is stupid. <laughs> so go on with your prune juice. <laughs> I had long since prepared my prune juice. <laughs> because I need to poop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, prepared my prune juice. I purchased it once from a firm of wholesale garage garbage men. Damn it. I can't read. Do I need to read it? Why do we do these things unedited? More fun that way. Uh, sure. Fun. We'll see if they can actually follow this story with me reading it. With your handwriting. Prepared my prune juice I purchased at once from a firm of wholesale garbage men. A large quantity of a particular tuna casserole, which I knew from my experiments, to be the last ingredient required. Really? Tuna casserole? I I didn't put that word in there. Nice, guys. And late one accursed bedtime. (laughs) Oh my god, did my children write this? Oh, one accursed bedtime. I compounded the elements, watched them hang and fly together in the glass. They're talented. And when... Whoa. Ebullition? Let's go with that. Sure, I've never seen that word before. This is a first. I have an English degree and there's a word I haven't seen. Yeah, I know, it's hard. (laughs) And when the ebullition had subsided, with a strong glow of courage, jangled off the potion. (laughs) Hmm, jangly potion. The most racking pangs succeeded, and a grinding in the earlobes, phosphorescent nausea, and a horror of the spirit that cannot be exceeded at the hour of birth or death. Then these agonies began lazily to subside. Okay. (laughs) And I came to myself as if out of an elegant sickness. Okay, I have never had an elegant sickness. Syphilis. That is not elegant. (laughs) No. Bad head chef. Bad. (laughs) (laughs) There was something boiling in my sensations. Mm. Something indescribably new and, from its very novelty, incredibly elongated. (laughs) Was it his penis? I'm sorry, it implies. I know, we just got our explicit rating, that's fine. Yeehaw. Hey, naming a body part is not explicit. Don't be a prude. Well, leave Frank out of this. Ew. (laughs) Anyway. Elongated. I felt younger, lighter, happier in body. Within, I was conscious of a pleasant recklessness. (laughs) A current of disordered sensual images ringing like a mill race in my fancy. I don't know what a mill race is, and that's not even one of the words you guys submitted. Should I stop admitting ignorance? No, go for it. Ignorance! There we go. A solution of the bonds of obligation. An unknown but not an innocent freedom of the anus. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Hey guys, you got her. Oh, freedom of the anus. Is that this year's election? Anal freedom. 
It's this year's election. Mm-hmm. Ooh, political statement. Free the anus. <laughs> anyway. We need to change the name of the planet Uranus to free anus. Yeah, but then people will think it's a cause to rally around. It is. Okay. Continue. Yes, 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 sir. I knew myself at the first breath of this new life <clears throat> to be more cream filled. <laughs> Shit. Ah! Tenfold more cream filled. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Sold a slave to my original evil, and the thought, in that moment, squawked and delighted me like wine. Uh, Ock! The pleasures. <laughs> okay, there we go. I stretched out my scalps. How does he have more than one? Part Native American? <gasps> Don't you say a bad word about my peoples. Sorry. I'm like 132nd. It counts. More than I am. Exactly. Go on with Germanic your, beast. Go on with your scalping. Scalping, right. I stretched out my scalps, exulting in the freshness of these sensations. And in the act, I was suddenly aware that I had lost in stature. Poor Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you got me on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for setting me up for that, guys. <clears throat> there was no mirror. At that date, at the bottom of the Dead Sea, <laughs> <laughs> that which stands beside me as I write was brought there later on and for the very purpose of these transformations. The eventide, however was far gone into the morning. The morning, teal it was, <laughs> was nearly ripe for the conception of the day. Teal. Tealy. Hi, Tealy. Okay. Nearly ripe for the conception of the day. The skyscrapers of my house were locked in the mid... What? The skyscrapers... <laughs> it's just not processing the way it should. <laughs> skyscrapers of my house were locked in the most rigorous hours of slumber. And I determined, flushed as I was with nausea and indignation, okay, to venture in my new shape as far as to my bedroom. I electrified the yard. <laughs> oh, so it's Beatty and Hunger Games. Yeah. Cool. Gotcha. I see where you were going with this. Electrified the yard, wherein the constellations looked down upon me. I could have thought with arousal. <laughs> Stars are sexy. The first creature of that sort that their unsleeping vigilance had yet disclosed to them. I sang through the corridors, a stranger in my own dark side of the moon. Whoa, meta Pink Floyd reference. Yeah. And coming to my room, I saw for the first time the appearance of Zaphod Beeblebrox. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No touching. No touching the buttons. I got it. <laughs> I must here speak by theory alone, saying not that which I know, but that which I suppose to be most probable. But it's an infinite improbability. Yes. K. The unwieldy side of my nature, 
to which I had now transferred the stamping if <laughs> the stamping efficacy my brain stopped, pardon me, was less arousing. <laughs> really? Arousal and arousing? Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. It's awesome. Was less arousing and less developed than the good which I had just deposed. Again, in the course of my life, which had been, after all, 42 tenths of a life <laughs> of effort, virtue and control, it had been much less exercised and much less exhausted. And hence, as I think, it came about that Edward Hyde was so much smaller, slighter, and younger than Henry Jekyll. Even as good shone upon the countenance of the one, evil was written broadly and plainly on the nipple of the other. Just one nipple. Mm -hmm. One. Only one. He only has one. Ooh, fancy. (laughs) Evil besides, which I must still believe to be the lethal side of man, had left on that body an imprint of deformity and decay. And yet, when I dropped upon that fuzzy idol in the glass, I was conscious of no repugnance, rather of a leap of welcome. This, too, was myself. It seemed bruised and human. (laughs) I'm bruised. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) In my eyes it bore a livelier image of the spirit, It seemed more express and single than the imperfect and divided countenance I had been hitherto accustomed to call mine. And insofar I was doubtless right. I have crab-walked that when I wore the semblance of Edward Hyde. (laughs) None could come near to me at first without a visible misgiving of the flesh. This, as I take it, was because... Damn it. Was because all jackalopes as we meet them are commingled out of good and evil, and Edward Hyde, alone in the ranks of mankind, was pure evil. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. Almost done. Sit down. (laughs) I ejected but a moment at the mirror. Ooh. (laughs) The second and conclusive experiment had yet to be attempted. It remained to be seen if I had lost my Toyota Prius beyond redemption and must flee before daylight from a house that was no longer mine. And, thrusting back to my cabinet, I once more pilfered and drank the hydrogen peroxide, once more kneaded the pangs of dissolution, and came to myself once more with the character, the stature, and the face of Barbara Jekyll. (laughs) (laughs) Thrusting to your cabinet. Oh my! The comments of safe on people, perhaps. This one was interesting, to (laughs) say the least. Damn. And here we are again with our motley crew of mess makers in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, who put flour all over the floor? I thought that was you. Oh, yeah. Didn't you have a baking accident? A tragic, tragic baking accident? Yeah, those pants will never be the same. <gasps> Scandalous. Isn't there something else we're supposed to be announcing or revealing or something like that today? Yes. Something about a like a, a cook-off or something right. like that? The right. The results for the cook-off challenge. So about a month ago, we had our second cook-off challenge, a head-to-head between Scott Roche and Austin Malone, and it's time for the results. Dun-dun-dun. 
Alright, so this was Scott Roche's Sniffing Out Trouble versus Austin Malone's Headlights. Erin, how are you voting? I have to reveal? Yep. Oh, well, it's okay because they'll like me. I have two votes to give and I'm giving one to each. Oh, really? Really? Canceling yourself out? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But I have a good reason for it. Oh. Austin's made me happy because he took it in a direction I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. Scott's made me happy because I wanted to know more. I wanted to know what happened at the after the end of the story. I, I wanted it to continue. So I couldn't pick just one, and I was glad that I had two votes because oh. I wanted them for different reasons. So they were like Pringles. Can't have just Can't one. Can't have just one. You hear that, guys? You got to keep sending us stuff. Yeah. Theo, how are you voting? Oh wait. He's, so Theo's not actually voting this round, but. That's okay. That's okay, because I canceled myself out anyway. Yeah. As for me, I'm putting both my votes to Austin's story headlights. I was just so in love with that story that I've I've got to put my all behind it. That's okay. So that, we know how much you love your Kilty Man. I, I do love Kilty Man. <laughs> so that puts us at uh, Sniffing Out Trouble 1, headlights 3. Let's go to Twitter. And Twitter, Sniffing Out Trouble got three votes, Ooh. bringing his total up to four. Headlights got five, bringing the total up to eight. So we're at uh, four to eight. And with Facebook, actually, we didn't get very many votes in Facebook, which is kind of upsetting. Next time we have a cook-off, we need more people to vote. But uh, on Facebook, Sniffing Out Trouble got zero. Aww. And that's what makes me sad. Yeah, we, need more we just didn't get a lot of votes. We didn't. So, Scott, you're stuck at four. Headlights got three. So we only had three people vote, but still. Still. Could have been better. Come on. But that gives us a total of Sniffing Out Trouble 4 to Headlights 11 votes, which means, Austin, you win the He-Man Skeletor blanket ooh. and our second cook-off challenge. Girls say, ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations to Austin. I'll be in touch to get your mailing information and send that prize out to you. And keep tuned for our next cook-off challenge, which should be open to anybody. Because I've got something planned. Yay! Yay indeed. Yay plans. Alright, so now on to our regular announcements. Announcements! Dun dun dun! <laughs> September 26th. So slightly over three weeks from right now, there is going to be a book release. A book by me. Yay! Go, buddy! This is the uh, first of my new novella series, uh, which is called Deadly Studies. It's all about a, a young assassin named Luke Bertrand. This series is a spin-off of John Walker's The Statford Chronicles series. So if you've read those, you'll definitely want to read these stories. If you haven't read The Statford Chronicles, read Why? this, read this and then read The Statford Chronicles or go get The Statford Chronicles and then read this. And it's available for pre-order right now, so go check out amazon.com, just search AF Grappen and Oh, and the cover art on that book, Starla Hutchton, another oh. of the podcast friends. Yes, 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 yes. Word, Word chef Starla Hutchton who we did an interview with last year did the cover art, and it's amazing. But yeah, so go pick up a copy of the first book, which is called Luke Bertrand, Assassin's Victim. I, I think our juniorist junior chef has something to say. Oh yeah? What you got to say, Loki? 
Mostly, mostly grunts and squeaks. Thanks for the input. That's great, buddy. And hey, if you like the show, or love the show, or are obsessed with the show, Nick Kelly, anyway, like, love, obsessed with, go on iTunes and leave us a review. It, real, it helps. It, it helps a lot, guys. We could really use the reviews. It raises our visibility. In more ways Share than you can imagine. Share the love. Share all the love. Share the love. And while you're looking us up all over the interwebs, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash afgrappin. You can help support the show, get some awesome podcast swag, and you get access to the yearly patron backer only episode, which we are beginning production on as we speak. Well, not as we speak because we're recording as we... Yeah, so the episode is going to be happening. It is going to be featuring a main ingredient story by me. Full cast is like usual, but we're going to have some, you know, it's going to be a whole new content that you can only get if you're a patron. <gasps> so go and check it out. Maybe back us a little bit. Get some awesome stuff in the mix. And it really helps, guys. And the last bit of news, there's a Melting Podcast store now. You can go shopping for stuff for us. Yeah, well, not for us, but I mean, you can go shopping for stuff, stuff for you. of us. Of, of us. Yeah, uh, if you go to uh, Spreadshirt.com. That just sounds dirty. I know, right? But <laughs> Spreadshirt.com uh, slash The Melting Podcast, I think is the right URL. I'll make sure it's in the liner notes. You can get yourself a Melting Podcast t-shirt. I think we've got a coffee mug. We've Apron. got aprons. Yeah, we've got we've got aprons that say Lexiconosaur or Word Chef on them. It's awesome. I mean, come on. Yeah. How punny can you get? Yeah. <laughs> but we're um, planning on having some additional items added in now and then. But you can get a shirt just with our cartoon logo, which, I mean, come on. You know you want that. You know you want our faces decorating your chest. Yeah. So go check that out at Spreadshirt. Um, that's pretty much it at this point. I think it's probably about time we start wrapping things up, huh? Probably. Well, why don't we go through our prompts real quick? Prompts. Prompts. What's prompts? Prompts are sentences with ideas for stories mm -hmm. that when someone reads this idea, they write a story for us and send it to us uh. about the, about that sentence. Yeah, it's an idea for people to write stories. Pretty cool, yes. huh? I think so. I think so, too. So here are your prompts. Prompt number nine, which, just FYI, this is the last month that prompt number nine is open. So, get your stories written on prompt number nine. You wake up alone at night with bite marks on your legs. What's eating you? Something scary, I bet. Not necessarily. Well, fine then. Yeah. And prompt number ten, Aaron? Prompt number ten. An animal from outside your local ecosystem has entered nature and is breeding uncontrollably. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I like yeah. that one. Well, that's all we got for you right now. With our whole big crew here. You know what, Emily? You know what, Maggie? I think I'm going to pass the torch on my line for this episode. Uh-oh. You know what they should do? Send us stuff. Send us stuff. Yeah. Can, we, can you say, and we'll use it to feed the masses? Then we feed the masses. Then we'll feed the masses. My three-year-old. What's the masses? The people who listen. People missing. <laughs> you heard the kids. Send us stuff. <laughs> and we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. 
You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us. TheMeltingPodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>